Yo, what's up guys? It is SGR80. Welcome back. I know I said on the last episode we'd be doing the Cleveland Browns today, but obviously we got another, you know, twist in the whole Deshaun Watson saga here. So we're doing the Ravens. I'm just going to delay the Browns for as long as possible. I feel like a bit of a fool for starting the AFC North this week. I jumped the gun a little bit, considering that Sue Robinson's ruling essentially means nothing at this point. Roger Goodell said, hey, I know that we hired this third-party arbitrator and, you know, she's a federal judge or whatever the fuck her background is, but I don't care. You know, we're getting torn apart on Twitter and I just can't have that. So we're going to go ahead and appeal the suspension. Obviously, we don't know what's happening with Deshaun Watson. Uh, Six-game suspension looking to be pushed to maybe a full year here by the NFLPA. So we're not going to do the Browns yet. I'm not going to waste my time saying, you know, maybe and what if for 45 minutes. We're going to do the Ravens. This is a team that I feel confident in my ability to break down. And this is a team that I like quite a bit to bounce back this year. So we're going to do that. I'll get you a Browns episode when I can, but we're just going to keep moving forward here. I can't get bogged down as uh, we are getting into the swing of things here. Preseason, actually, uh, Hall of Fame game kicking off today. I'm recording on Thursday, so by the time that you're listening to this, uh, we will officially have the preseason underway. Um, hopefully, you enjoyed the Hall of Fame game, or at least the first quarter, maybe, that you tuned in for. Um we probably knew none of the names that were playing last night, but I hope it was a good game. Anyways, let's talk about the Ravens. Let's let's break down the team that I think is going to win the AFC North this year. They finished last in the division last year, but this team is so consistent, and they were so plagued with injuries last year that I really am just going to, you know, I don't care. I don't care what happened last year. Let's throw it out. Um, John Harbaugh is the head coach of this team. And they've only had two losing seasons since he's taken over in 2018. That's two out of 14 seasons. Um, so the odds of them struggling this year, as long as they can stay healthy, that's not going to happen. And that was the big thing last year with this team. They got hit right from the start. Uh, before even preseason games started, I think they had lost J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards last year and half their secondary. Marcus Peters was banged up. And th this team just... They were kind of uh, fucked from the get-go, really, with the, just the fact that they couldn't stay healthy. Um, last year, 8-9, and nine, despite, again, a lot of issues and playing with a backup QB for a third of the season, still, <clears throat> still won eight games in that tough AFC North. Uh, came in last in the division. It's a good division if 8-9 and nine is the worst team. Uh, they also covered um, eight games last year, 47.1% cover rate. Um, they were 12th in the AFC, no playoffs, obviously. The offense was 17th in points per game, but they were 6th in yards per game, so they were moving the ball. I think a lot of that was because their defense was really bad and they were playing from behind a lot late in the, uh, later in the season once things really kind of uh, fell off the rails. Um, but this was a very good team early in the season. They actually, at one point, were the number one seed in the AFC, I think, you know, 10 or 11 weeks into the season, and then... Again, the health, uh, the health issues just piled up too much, and, and Lamar couldn't. He, if he can't stay healthy, this team's really fucked, and that's kind of just what happened. Um, the defense took a massive step back last year. Again, injuries were a big part of that, but 19th in points per game, 23.1, 25th in yards per game, 363.4. 
And they were 28th in turnover margin as well. Again, backup QB play at times and the defense um, not generating the turnovers they're known for in Baltimore. Uh, minus 11 turnover margin on the year. So again, with those statistics, it's kind of impressive that they won eight games. A lot of it was early in the season. It really was a tale of two seasons for the Baltimore Ravens last year. I want to look actually at their game by game because I think they were like eight and three at one point, really just crushing it. And they ended up losing their last seven games. Yeah, they lost their last, no, they lost their last six games of the season. So they were eight and three at one point. Pretty crazy. Um, <clears throat> coaching staff, we have a new defensive coordinator. Uh, Mike McDaniel is the defensive coordinator. Mike McDonald, excuse me. We're not talking McDaniel. We're not talking Dolphins today. Um, University of Georgia for three years until 2013. Um, joined the Baltimore Ravens coaching staff in 2014 as a coaching intern and defensive assistant. Um, worked as a defensive backs coach and linebackers coach for the Ravens from 2015 to 2020. Uh, he was the defensive coordinator at University of Michigan last year, so went to work for the other Harbaugh brother, and now he's back with the Ravens as the defensive coordinator. So I guess he must have done a good job um, for the other Harbaugh there because now he's coming back to work for uh, Jim here, um, or John, rather. That's why I was saying the other one because I get them mixed up. Anyways, <clears throat> that's, uh, that's what's going on on the defensive side of the ball. Everything else stays the same with the coaching staff. Let's talk free agency. Key loss. Didn't actually come in free agency, but as an offseason loss, Hollywood Brown, the most productive wide receiver for this team last year, uh, traded away to the Arizona Cardinals in the middle of the first round of the draft. It was uh, Marquise Brown and a third round pick, pick 100 in this past draft, uh, for the Cardinals' first round pick. Um, so the Ravens, as we break down their draft, they were very active in this draft. And uh, you know, I kind of mentioned on our Steelers episode that the Ravens are a team I have a lot of confidence in and in how they choose to draft. And I really, certain picks that they make really catch my eye at certain points in the draft. They were very active this year, and I thought they had one of the better drafts in the league. So, you know, we'll break all of that down. Um, who else did they lose this offseason? Sammy Watkins went over to the Packers, didn't do much for this team last year. Cornerback Taven Young. Uh, cornerback Anthony Everett, center Bradley Bozeman. They got a massive upgrade at center, though. We'll talk about him in the draft breakdown, but man, can't wait. Linebacker Chris Board, uh, defensive tackle Justin Ellis, safety Deshaun Elliott, running back Tyson Williams, running back Le'Veon Bell, and running back Deontay Foreman all gone. I mean, those were three guys that they kind of only had last year because they were so decimated at the position. Like that, They might have started seven or eight running backs on this team last year, and a lot of those guys clearly washed up. Le'Veon Bell's getting ready to box Adrian Peterson here coming up. Good for him. I wouldn't have the balls to get in the ring with Adrian Peterson. That guy's a monster. So the Ravens, um, they brought in some pretty key pieces in free agency, in my opinion. They went and brought in Marcus Williams, the free safety from the Saints, who's a good player coming off his rookie deal with the Saints. The Saints and the Ravens really just like stockpiling safeties, both those teams. 
And, you know, they again, another addition to the secondary cornerback, Kyle Fuller coming in. And I think if Kyle Fuller's your third corner on your roster and if you're three safeties deep, I mean, this defense has a chance to be back into top 10, maybe top five contention after just being, you know, paper thin last year. Um, the secondary, like I said, six deep really at, at the secondary and I don't care if they're corners or safeties. Like they have guys that know what they're doing in, in that secondary Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters and Kyle Fuller have all had like elite seasons in the NFL at the quarterback cornerback position. And then uh, again, we'll talk about him in the draft, but Kyle Hamilton, first round pick at safety, Marcus Williams, big, big off season addition, in free agency and Chuck Clark is also a very competent starting safety so this defense can really regress back to being a good unit this year and I think kind of started with the addition of Marcus Williams and Kyle Fuller in free agency. Offensive tackle Morgan Moses starting right tackle was signed this offseason. They brought in another running back Mike Davis um, who last year was on the Falcons two years before was on the Panthers kind of a journeyman spent some time with the Bears and I think maybe Seahawks as well um, just a lot of insurance because there's some murky shit going on I mean we'll talk during the fantasy segment but we don't know exactly what the full picture is of the health of either J.K. Dobbins or Gus Edwards I mentioned they both got injured last year before the season started and those were some pretty serious lower body injuries where we just don't know what the timetable is. There's mixed reports coming out. Um, if you ask J.K. Dobbins himself what his health status looks like, it's the total opposite of the reports that are coming out from insiders and people in the sports medical field. So we don't know, but they brought in Mike Davis and they added some other guys this offseason just as insurance pieces in that running back room. Um, cause it just got ugly last year. Defensive end Steven means they also brought in a guy who's, uh, not done much in his career, but he showed flashes during his time as a rotational guy with the Eagles that I do remember defensive end Brent urban. Um, and that'll be it for the major, uh, free agent additions. They re-signed a few guys, uh, defensive end Calais Campbell came back. He, I, he's still playing and he's still playing at an elite level. That guy's amazing. Um, for how long his career is, you know, being able to keep it going at, at the size of that man. He is a door. He is a literal door. Like, that guy is just massive. Um, fullback Patrick Ricard got brought back. Shout out to the fullbacks out there doing the dirty work. And defensive end Justin Houston also got extended. So now we can get to the draft. You know, I've had a tough time actually avoiding it so far, I guess. Very active, uh, very strong draft. I think the first four picks are home runs. Um, I mentioned that they did some trading around. Uh, they did quite a bit of movement. They, they had the 14th overall pick, and then, again, the Hollywood Brown pick gave them an additional second rounder. And I think they ended up also, yeah, so the Cardinals gave them the 23rd pick, but then they traded back to 25 again. So they made two trades in the first round. So again, you know, a lot going on here, but the, the Ravens are a team that always draft strong and they have a very good front office. They're very consistent as an organization. It's funny that the Ravens and the Steelers are, you know, essentially 
you know, the two biggest rivals in this division and the two most competitive and consistent over the last few years, they're kind of mirror organizations. They both do things very similarly. I would say the Ravens typically spend a little bit more in free agency, um, but when they do spend, it's usually on the defense and the O-line, which, again, is kind of how Pittsburgh play things, and then they just they draft very well. Um, general manager Eric DaCosta good guy to be running your organization. So round one safety, Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame was a guy at one point talked about being a top five pick in this draft fell a little bit. I think he ran like a four, seven at his pro day, which gave a lot of people pause. There were some concerns about his overall athleticism. Is he too big and awkward and, you know, maybe not as uh, smooth and loose with his hips as you want at the safety position. This is a six, four safety um, reports out of camp is that he looks great. I think when I saw the Ravens being the team that was willing to, you know, take the value and the drop, like when a guy like this is talked up as an elite prospect based on his college tape and production, and then he falls in the draft because maybe he didn't have the best testing numbers, but a, an organization like the Ravens feels confident that they're, they're getting, you know, an opportunity to catch him at a value. Um, it set off a bit of a buzzer in my head. So I think Kyle Hamilton will probably be a very good safety in the NFL. Uh, round one, I mentioned they had a second first round pick. Uh, they had to move around a little bit. They ended up taking center Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa. And man, I could do a whole episode on this guy. I have not been more enamored with an offensive line prospect probably ever I would say I mean <clears throat> this guy in my opinion has the best tape of a college interior lineman as a draft prospect I've seen since Quentin Nelson Quentin Nelson absolutely bullied people Tyler Linderbaum and you know let's put it into the eagle scope again because it's what I do best Jason Kelsey is the best center in the NFL over the last 10 years. And he's he's good because he's undersized and he's athletic and he can get out into open space and use his speed and agility to get down the field and make two or three blocks on a single play. He has that kind of athleticism that is rare at the center position. He slipped to the fifth round of his draft because he was undersized. And Tyler Linderbaum slipped to the 25th overall pick because he's a center, which is not the most overly valued position in terms of being, you know, spending high draft capital. And two, he's undersized. He tests physically and measures physically to an absolute Jason Kelsey clone. Jason Kelsey has played at a first round talent level his entire career. He just was looked over in the draft process. I think Tyler Linderbaum is a clone of Jason Kelsey, and I think he's just going to fucking bully people for the next decade and a half in Baltimore. I can't wait to watch what this kid turns into. He'll be the best center in the NFL within four years. Okay? Um, I love him. He, in high school, was a, uh, I think, multiple-time state champion wrestler. This kid is a state champion wrestler who played offensive line at the University of Iowa. This kid fucking eats corn stalks and fucking barrels of hay for breakfast. Like, you couldn't design a more, like, 
perfect Midwestern country strong. I'm going to absolutely maul you offensive lineman. He, um, in his high school state championship, wrestled a guy you might have heard of, Tristan Wirfs, all pro right tackle for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, former first round pick. Uh, Tyler Linderbaum pinned Tristan Wirfs in high school when Wirfs was a year older than him. When Tyler Linderbaum was a junior, he pinned senior offensive tackle slash all state wrestler Tristan Wirfs. So look the fuck out for Linderbaum. Again, I told you guys I could do a whole episode. I Tyler fucking Linderbaum is going to be a mean son of a bitch at the center position. And I think it, he couldn't have gone to a better situation for what this team wants to do in the running game. Like absolute home run perfect fit for what this team needed. I mentioned they lost Bradley Bozeman in uh, free agency, but I don't give a fuck because Linderbaum is going to be so good. Um, round two, they got another guy with an injury. Di- well, I guess Hamilton didn't drop because of injury, but David Ojabo did. Uh, he's a, a second-round pick that had a first-round talent, and then he tore his Achilles at his pro day. Um, outside linebacker, pass rusher from University of Michigan, looked at as a raw but super athletic guy. And the Ravens took a shot on him in the second round. They kind of need to replenish that pass rusher uh, role as Matthew Judon uh, left and went to the New England Patriots, not this year, but last offseason. And they, they've needed to kind of rebuild there. Ojabo's a guy, you know, I'm no doctor. And, you know, my guess is kind of as good as whatever I read off of Twitter. I guess he's not practicing yet right now but he could potentially be back by like september which is pretty incredible considering he tore his achilles like six months ago but modern medicine guys are coming back faster from that shit uh cam um cam acres made a pretty insane recovery this past season um and maybe ojabo's on on a you know faster trajectory to get it back to 100 percent. but he's a guy i think whether it's this year or next year when he's fully healthy ojabo can be a guy and again you know if he went to a team like the jets that just has a tendency to burn guys out i I might not be as confident when a team like the ravens is willing to take a gamble on the guy it gives me more uh, confidence again uh, round three defensive tackle Travis Jones out of UConn I believe um, I heard good things about him in the process I thought he'd be a second round pick so they get him in the third another strong addition to that defensive uh, front seven and then round four tight end Charlie Kohler sorry about that Charlie Kohler joins the squad Iowa State tight end um, round four, again, offensive tackle, Daniel Falele out of Minnesota. And then round four, another pick, um, cornerback Jalen Armour Davis out of Alabama. That's going to round up the draft recap. Let's talk schedule. Let's talk futures. Let's talk win totals. Let's get into the juicy stuff. I like this team. I like this team to win more games than Vegas likes them to. I like this team to win their division. Win total is uh, at a couple different prices right now, okay? Um, When I wrote these odds down on July 11th, the win total was 9.5 over minus 170 under plus 145. Win total now, what I'm seeing, 
It's moved up a little bit on a lot of books. I'm seeing 10 and 10 and a half now, so it's been getting bet up. You can get um, on on FanDuel right now, you can get 10 and a half wins over plus 100, under minus 120. Um, I believe on DraftKings, you can get um, nine and a half wins over minus 150, under plus 120. I've even seen 10 wins even at minus 110 on some offshores, but I like it. I like I like the over nine and a half if you can get that. Over nine and a half minus 150 is a recommended play here for the Ravens. Um, let's go over the schedule before we dive into anything too much further as far as futures. Uh, 11th ranked schedule. So they finished last in the division in the division last year, and they're going to benefit from a last place schedule this year, which is, um, again, you know, the, it, the Bengals have a first place schedule. I talked about how difficult theirs is, and it's funny how these teams are in the same division, but the Ravens have a much easier path because, again, they play bottom-of-the-barrel teams from some divisions where the Bengals have tougher matchups. Ravens start the season, Jets, Dolphins, Patriots, Bills. So they play the whole AFC East to start. I don't see a reason why they can't snag probably three of those games, I would think. At worst, two and two there. But this Ravens team, I really think probably better than the Dolphins and Patriots still and the Bills. You know, who knows? The Bills are obviously a very good team, but that game is in Baltimore, and I kind of I would not be surprised at all if the Ravens were looking at it three and one or four and zero after the first month. They get their first division game against the Bengals, then they get the Giants, Browns, Bucks, Saints, Panthers, Jaguars, Broncos, Steelers, Browns, Falcons, Steelers, Bengals. Now. I mentioned I'm lower on Pittsburgh this year because of the vague quarterback situation. Um, Cleveland, you know, I'm going to assume right now that Deshaun Watson's just not playing. Um, Six-game suspension, and, and everybody just freaked the fuck out about it, to be honest. I'm not giving my personal take on the situation. Just let's look at the facts from a football standpoint. The NFL puts out that he's going to get six games and Twitter fucking explodes and it's all anybody can talk about. And now they're going through with an appeal. I mean, they got to expand that shit. And I just think they'll give him a full year at this point, whether they should or should not or whatever the details are that we don't know about. That's up to Roger Goodell and, and, and all those guys. It's not for me to decide, but I think it's probably a full season at this point. So the Ravens should be able to handle the Browns. They should be able to handle the Steelers. I talked about the Raven or the Bengals regressing. I'm not saying that they have an easy division because they don't. It's still a very competitive division, but there's a little bit more um, opportunity in this division than maybe we thought of last year or even you know a few months ago before the whole Watson thing blew up. But they have some easy wins here, like Panthers, Jags, Falcons, Giants, Jets. And then they just got to do what they usually do and beat mediocre teams for the rest of their schedule. I mean, tough opponents, you know, the Broncos could be very good this year. We don't know, really. That division, my head is just tied up in knots about the AFC West. I have no fucking clue what's going on over there. But, um, like, Buccaneers, Bills, 
really the only powerhouses on this schedule. Outside of that, they got to take care of their division and they got to win the easy games. So I like this team to have a bounce back year. I mentioned all the regret, the, the unfortunate injury luck last year. And the fact that Lamar Jackson had this team at eight and three last season and the number one seed in the AFC before they dropped off and everybody just wants to kind of forget about that. I'm really probably going to have a lot of investment in this Ravens team this year. I like them to win their division. Odds are plus 160 currently. They had jumped up to around the plus 180, plus 170 range over the last month or so as a uh, it was looking more and more likely like Deshaun Watson would play for the Browns. So there was kind of, you know, the Browns were creeping up, the Bengals and Ravens were coming back to the middle of the pack, that kind of thing. And now after the news of the Deshaun Watson uh, suspension appeal, um, the Browns odds have been dropping over the last 24 to 48 hours or so. They went from nine and a half wins to eight and a half and their odds to win the division dropped quite a bit. And the Ravens are now back up to 160 to win the division with the Bengals, I believe around, what did we say on the other episode? 200? Yeah, 200 just a few days ago. So the Ravens are the favorite here. I think the Bengals are down to 180 again with the news of Deshaun Watson. Um, but still, I like Baltimore as the favorite here. I think that the public consensus is higher on the Bengals, and I am going to take the value with the more consistent franchise here um, as long as they, again, don't have historic injury um, issues. They should be okay. There's a there's a there's an internet source out there, and I feel bad because I'm not giving them credit here. But somebody does these rankings on like this stat of uh, games lost due to injury, where they take the number of starters and their value in terms of this guy's worth 0.1 wins, this guy's worth 0.3 wins. However, the fuck they do it. The Ravens last year had the most losses due to injury in the history of their research, going back to like 1984. So. Something to consider, this team, a lot of talent still, and people just seem to forget about it. I'm in. Um, their odds to win the conference are plus 1,000. Their odds to win the Super Bowl are 20 to 1, and I'll probably have a Super Bowl ticket as well. The general narrative is like people want to take the low-hanging fruit. Lamar can't win a playoff game. This team will choke in the playoffs. I don't know, man. I think the ball just needs to bounce their way a little bit. I mean, if they stay healthy and other teams don't, this team, with the strong defense and the way that their run game is predicated and the way that they inc they um, fucking upgraded their offensive line with Linderbaum and Moses coming in this offseason, I think this team can. Uh, this team has as good of a chance to make a run through the tournament as any team in the NFL. I think they have what do they call it? A puncher's chance, a knockout chance. You know. Um, get this team in the tournament and let's go from there because the running game and the defense, you can win with that formula in the NFL. Odds to make the playoffs, yes, minus 188, no, plus 125. Meh, give me the playoffs. Obviously, I'm not betting it. I'd rather take their over on wins or their odds to win the division. But, yeah, this team will be fine. This team is going to be good. All right, broken record. Let's move on to the fantasy breakdown here. This should go quickly, hopefully, because as far as consistency records, this is kind of a new offense. There's a lot of vague shit, and like it's kind of an offense where you have to kind of take your shot. There's maybe one guy in this offense that I'm actually targeting for fantasy this year. Um, so let's get into it. 
players we're going to talk about or players that should be most fantasy relevant. Um, you know, again, we don't know what's going on with the running backs health, but the theoretical starters for this team are Lamar Jackson, running backs, JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards, only two receivers that I'm really going to talk about more. Again, that's kind of part of the vague situation here is who's going to really emerge in that, uh, pass catching room with Hollywood Brown gone, but it's Rashad Bateman looking like the number one and Devin Duvernay probably getting the, uh, number two role, I think. Um, tight end Mark Andrews is the last guy that's going to be fantasy relevant. And our honorable mentions, quarterback Tyler Huntley, essentially a Lamar Jackson clone with not even close to as good an arm. Um, he's the backup QB. Running back Mike Davis, I mentioned. Running back Justin Hill is technically fourth on the roster, although he just doesn't fit what the Ravens do. I don't really understand like why they drafted him. He's a smaller pass catching back that they just don't really use guys like that. Uh, running back Corey Clement, they just brought in uh, former Super Bowl champion with the 2017 Eagles, undrafted free agent journeyman, uh, been on the Giants as well in the past few years. Just these guys are brought in for insurance because we don't know how healthy the running backs are again, which is kind of annoying to have to keep saying. Also, running back Tyler Beatty was brought in. He was a sixth-round pick in this past uh, – yeah, yeah, sixth-round pick this past year. He ran a 4 4 five, 40. Um, Yeah, uh, lastly, tight end Nick Boyle. He's a blocking tight end, not fantasy relevant. And fullback Patrick Ricard. Shout-out fullbacks. All right, Lamar Jackson. So Lamar was doing pretty well last year before he got injured. He's being drafted 51st overall quarterback four. Last year, 40th overall, still QB four. Um, we see people maybe willing to wait a little bit later on quarterbacks this year because we've seen some more pretty safe options emerge um, as far as a guy like Jalen Hurts coming into the fantasy picture, Matt Stafford being a top five guy last year, Kirk Cousins a good guy you can get super late. For some reason, Brady goes in the ninth round every year, even though he's a top five fantasy QB. Trey Lance is a value a lot of guys are taking a shot on to explode this year. So again, quarterbacks maybe being drafted a little bit later this year. Um, I'm not a guy that does early quarterbacks or early tight ends. So I'm probably not going to have Jackson or Andrews on many teams. I just, every time that I do it, I regret it. Really, I never do it with quarterbacks. I always feel good about finding someone in the double-digit rounds. And then um, tight ends, just again, every time I do it, it seems like I get fucked. They have to absolutely hit their ceiling. They have to have the seemingly maybe the best year of their career in order to return on a second-round pick at tight end. That's what you're paying up for Andrews. So I'm not in love with many of these guys. Again, Lamar only played 12 games last year, really 11 full games. Finished quarterback 15 on the year in only 11 starts, um, was the QB 7 in points per game, and through his 11 full games, he was the quarterback 7 on the year. So, although that 15 finish, again, quarterback 7 in points per game and QB 7 before the injury, he has a difficult schedule for quarterbacks, um, third hardest in the NFL, 30th ranked fantasy schedule for QBs. Last year, higher bust rate out of Lamar than we're used to seeing as well. Only a top six QB 25% of the time, top 12 50% of the time. Those are both, both ranked 14th in terms of consistency percentage. Finished a QB 213 through 24 on the week, 41%, and busted out of the top 24 in one game 8% of the time. So 
Again, top 12 only 50% of the time is concerning for a guy like Lamar who you have to draft in the fourth or fifth round of your fantasy drafts. I think he's probably going to be really good for fantasy. Again, top seven seems to be his floor. I would think he was heavier with the turnovers last year, had I think 13 picks in 12 games, which is not what you want to see yet. Uh, 16 passing touchdowns, 13 picks. And only two rushing touchdowns last year. So that's not exactly what you want to see. Um, But again, I think he was bothered a lot with injury, even in the games that he did play. It was uh, reported he made some comments this offseason that he was dealing with a, uh, I believe, a bone bruise in his right ankle for really more than just the time he missed. I think he was trying to play it out and just didn't really work out. And then again, a lot of injuries, not much of a supporting cast on this team. Um, Rashad Bateman, their number one receiver right now, was only available for 12 games as well last year. And in a rookie season, coming off a year where he sat out in college football due to COVID, I mean, you can't really expect much. So outside of Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews, you know, not a lot of, uh, not a lot of options here. Um, Lamar, again, I just, I don't draft guys in the fifth round. If you want to, I think he'll be better this year than he was last year for fantasy. We'll talk about Rashad Bateman. I actually think he's a better fit for this offense, um, in terms of a, you know, better scheme fit than Hollywood Brown. Um, and I think Lamar has to be the focal point of this offense. Clearly he's going to get enough on the ground to provide a solid rushing baseline, Two rushing touchdowns in 11 games. I mean, that's unlike Lamar. He should, you know, regression tells us that that should go up this year, I would think. Um, Again, through basically 11 games, 767 rushing yards. So this is a guy that year in and year out, if he plays a full season, he's a threat to go for 1,000 yards on the ground. And again, only two touchdowns on 133 rushing attempts. That's likely to regress back to the mean as well this year. So... I'm cool with Lamar. I think he's got incredible upside and could even, he has potential to get himself back into that top three, maybe even QB one overall for fantasy. So if you're comfortable doing that, go for it. I don't draft guys that early at the quarterback position. I'd rather take my shot on Trey Lance this year if you want that rushing upside. Quarterback or running backs, um, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. Again, I don't know how healthy they're going to be. I'm probably not taking the shot on either in my fantasy drafts. I just it's too murky of a situation. And I think even if these guys are healthy, I mean Dobbins obviously the one A on the depth chart. They have higher draft capital investment and higher financial investment in him, and he's just more talented, obviously. But I don't know what's going on medically, and I'm not willing to spend a fourth-round pick on a guy that could be in a committee, even if he is fully healthy. He's being drafted 52 overall this year, running back 25, um, and there's no data from last year as far as consistency or ADP because, again, Dobbins and Edwards did not play last year, and the guys who did play running back last year weren't on this roster. There is value in the running back position in Baltimore. This is one of the most run-heavy offenses in the league. Um, top three most run-heavy offenses by far over the past uh, year um, Philadelphia, the 49ers, and the Ravens. Like, no particular order, but they pound the rock and they use those zone running schemes and they have mobile quarterbacks now with Trey Lance taking over. It makes sense. And so there's going to be upside in that running back room. If you can diagnose who's going to be the lead guy based on who's getting snaps or any reports you hear out of training camp, 
pay attention to it, but I can't really give you much as far as go ahead and grab this guy. I'm not interested in snagging J.K. Dobbins where he's being with all the risks that I just mentioned. Wide receivers, I'm all the way in on Rashad Bateman for fantasy this year. He's being drafted 90th overall, wide receiver 37 at the position. I think he has top 20, top 15 upside. Hollywood Brown was dominating for fantasy last year, again, through the first half of the season when this team was winning. Um, Bateman should take over a massive target share in this offense as the clear-cut number one. He was looked at as really the top wide receiver in his draft class prior to sitting out in the 2020 season. He was a first-round pick in the 2021 draft, ran a 4-4-3-40. So anybody who wants to say that this Ravens team isn't going to have the ability to stretch the field or go over the top with Hollywood gone... I mean, Bateman runs a 4-4-3, and Devin Duvernay, the other receiver that's slotted for a starting role, runs a 4-3-9. He's a third-round pick from 2020. So although you might not be that familiar with these guys as household names, these two guys, I think, can get it done as far as, again, this is a run-first team. They're going to run the ball like 60% of the time. They just need to be able to set up the play action. Mark Andrews is going to be their chain mover. I think Bateman can easily be a very good number one option for what this Ravens team wants to do and how little passing volume they have. Duvernay's a gadget guy. He can stretch the field. He can run your nine routes and take the top off the defense. I think they'll be fine, and I think Bateman is set up for a massive breakout here in his second year. I mentioned first-round pick 2021, sat out of college football all of 2020 and still went in the top 20 picks in the draft. Um, not much of an opportunity, only played 12 games last year and had a bit of a learning curve, but the guy I think is talented. I think he's going to be much better as a pure route runner and as a contested catch guy than, um, Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown's a field stretcher. He's a deep threat and he's a good one. Um, but I think that Bateman is going to be able to be that more consistent intermediate chain mover contested catch. I'm going to jump, I'm going to throw this guy a jump ball and he's going to come down with it. I like Bateman's opportunity a lot for a guy that costs you a ninth or 10th round pick this year. He It reminds me of a similar situation to Michael Pittman from last year. I think Bateman can be your Michael Pittman Jr. this year as a guy that you can get in the 10th round that has top 20 receiver upside. He is clearly the number one guy in a small volume passing offense on a run first football team. A lot of similarities between Pittman's last year and Bateman's projection for this year. And I'm all the way in. I'm definitely targeting Bateman in every single one of my drafts at that point. You can get the, how often can you get the number one receiver on any team in the ninth or 10th round of your draft? I'm all in. Wide receiver schedule is 21st amongst the fantasy position. Um, Devin Duvernay's not being drafted. I do think he's a guy that can be sneaky this year. I'm just going to be keeping an eye on him as far as, is he producing or is this just too small of a target of a volume offense where he's just not going to get the target share? He's not going to get the opportunity. Um, but Duvernay's a guy I'm interested in. I like his tape. I like what I've seen him do in the return game on special teams. Again, he ran a 4-3-9-40 and was a third round pick in 2020. So be aware of him. I like his upside athletically. Um, and the you know the third receiver on the depth chart right now is James Proach. Um, again, like I I rattled off some names 
in the honorable mentions. There's just a lot of vagueness. This is not a team that's going to run an overwhelming amount of three receiver sets unless they're down 14 points in the fourth quarter. So really, that's why we're only talking about Bateman and Duvernay as the guys that are going to be getting significant snap counts. But I'm hearing just good things out of training camp as Proach being the guy to win um, the uh, the third receiver spot in this team. He was a sixth-round pick in 2019. That's about all I know about him. But you're not drafting him for fantasy. You're not even drafting Duvernay, most likely. Mark Andrews is a guy who's being overdrafted in fantasy. He's being drafted 22nd overall, tight end two, right behind Travis Kelsey. I get it. He smashed fantasy football last year. I'll never spend a second-round pick on a tight end again as long as I live. And um, I think a result of it was, again, like there was just really nobody else on this offense last year. Tyler Hundley seemed to really hyper-target Andrews. Some of his best games came when Lamar Jackson was out of the lineup because it seemed like Huntley was just, oh, man, fuck it, I'm throwing it to Andrews. Um, and I, I don't know if he can duplicate that exactly. Beastly numbers last year, being drafted to the tight end five last year, 54th overall, finished tight end one, played a full season, tight end one in points per game, finished the top six tight end 65% of the time, top 12 70% of the time, and then only busted in one game outside of the top 24 uh, first ranked consistency in terms of top six finish, second ranked in terms of top 12 finish. The guy's a stud, and the, the tight end landscape in fantasy is gross. Um, I'm more comfortable streaming it on a week-to-week basis than a lot of people are. I just won't draft a tight end that high. Again, if he gets injured or if he doesn't go for another 1,300 yards, I really just don't think he returns on that value in the draft where you could have gotten – you know, an elite running back or receiver there. Last year, 107 receptions, 1,361 yards, and nine touchdowns. I think Mark Andrews is a very talented tight end and should be drafted in probably the top four rounds of fantasy. But for him to duplicate that stat line again, I think is going to be hard. Statistically, you don't see tight ends really put up back-to-back years like that. And that's, you know, probably the best statistical year of Mark Andrews' career, most likely. I just don't like it. Second round pick on a tight end, it's gross to me. Don't do it. But, hey, it's your fantasy team, not mine. That's the Ravens. I like this team, as you guys can tell. You know, there are certain organizations I've mentioned that I just have more trust and more faith in. And I think this Ravens organization is one that gets it right more often than not. I like them to bounce back and, uh, you know, snag that AFC North with Pittsburgh in a transition year. Um, the Bengals facing a Super Bowl hangover and possible regression. And the Browns, they got a whole fucking mess going on over there. So I'll keep you guys posted as far as when I feel confident enough to do my Browns episode. But I really, I don't even want to talk about the Browns because everybody's talking about them right now and there's so much uncertainty. I mean, if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. And I'm just not going to record for 45 minutes giving you guys what ifs. So whatever. Um, you know, we're going to move on. You know, I might do the AFC West next. I might switch over to the NFC because we've been doing the AFC for a while here. I don't know. I think we're going to head out West, but we'll see. Thanks for listening guys and ramble on.